believers are God's possession, that we would know that we are his, notice the word his there, his glorious inheritance. We're God's possession, that we would know Father God is our God, that we are his. And then along with that, of course, believers, believers, of course, inherit all the blessings that God gives that you may know who you are and what God has given you in that relationship. And then notice, power, that you may know. That you may know, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Now, some translations have, instead of toward us, in us, that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe. It's even stronger. And I want to stay here a bit with you here this morning. This is where Paul stays. And this is profound. This, I believe this is one of the most profound <laughs> Verses and, and understanding that we have in Scripture, teachings that we have in Scripture. Notice with me the emphasis on God's strength. Paul just seems to layer one word uh, on, on top of the other when it comes to God's mighty work, his strength. Immeasurable greatness, power, working, great might. There's not a hint of weakness in what God, who he is, and what God will give us and who he is. There's not a a hint of weakness, but a mighty force, God himself, that you may know this power, this presence, this, this, this force, God himself, in your life. Now notice, too, how this power is described. It even gets better. It even gets better here. Verse, verse 20. If you have your own Bibles, you want to circle verse 19 and 20. This power, this power that now is in us, Paul says, verse 20, this same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Wow. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Again, it just seems like Paul is just caught up in praise and adoration. Every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is Paul saying? Now ponder this. Ponder this. This this miraculous power, this, 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 this power that God used to bring Jesus back to life. Think of Easter. Think of Resurrection Sunday. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried three days. God raised him back to life. Think of how how God raised Jesus, seated him in the heavenly places. Think of Ascension Day. Think of Ascension Day. What is Paul saying? That same power lives in believers in the presence of God himself. That's a wow statement. should get an amen on that one. Amen. That's, that's remarkable. That's what Paul is saying. This power is God himself. 
God himself, the third person of the Trinity. I believe God here, God the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, his power, that is at work among us. Colossians 1 verse 28 and 29. Now to him, excuse me, wrong verse, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. And then 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? That you may know, Paul is saying, to these believers in Ephesus. Do you know, do you understand this great God, the Father, who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing? Back to verse 3. And one of those spiritual blessings is that, is that his presence is with you, in you. God himself lives within us. So what are the implications here? I'd like to end with, with five implications of this beautiful truth. Five implications. First of all, God's power that resides in us surpasses and outshines all competing authorities. Now in Ephesus, it's amazing, this place, Ephesus was really a, a, a really very interesting place. It, it, boasted, it boasted that the temple Artemis, one of the, the seven wonders, seven wonders in the ancient world, that was full of superstition. We think it's hard to do church life here, what about Ephesus? Full of superstition, magic, the occult, false gods. That's the environment. That's the environment. And now what is Paul saying to these believers who live in that city or region? What is he saying to them? He's saying Jesus Christ, because of his death, his resurrection, his ascension on high, he's defeated them all. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He reigns, and he reigns over all. God has seated him in the heavenly places. All authority, headship, all authority is his. All authority. And so he's, he's writing to encourage them. It's God who has the supremacy. Christ who is supreme. And this Christ, lives in you. This Christ lives in you. Wow. Now we might not live in Ephesus, that's true. We might not live there, but, but there are many competing authorities, authorities to, to Christ's supremacy today. I just uh, Materialism, secularism, individualism, hedonism, and politics, all these words. I mean, just think of materialism it's the ISM that makes it bad. We know we need things to live, stuff to live. It's the ISM. To, to think that we can live, I think it's the greatest danger in the church in America, really. To think that we, as Christians, that, that, that this stuff, stuff is all we need for our all in all to give us significance. And... and and so Paul is even saying to us, you know, again, these, these, these competing, uh, um, you know, authorities are just, you know, screaming at us every day, every day. 
And yet Paul is even saying to us, believer in Christ, believer in Christ, remember your Lord, the one who died, rose, who reigns. He's reigning today. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing. And he defeats and will defeat all the competing authorities. This God lives in you. And so what are the implications? Number two, I just think spontaneous joy. Spontaneous joy. Uh, We just love worship. Uh, You know, I'm looking now at last week's message, uh, verses 3 through 14. It's a song of praise. The the God of, and I mentioned this a number of times now this morning, Abba Father, the the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Just a remarkable phrase once again. And it's interesting, as Paul mentions this triune God, as he mentions every person of the Trinity, he responds with praise to this person in the Trinity. It's a beautiful song. And we have that three times. We have that phrase, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. When, Paul says, when we see what God has done for us in Christ, when we see what he has given to us, we can't help but sing and dance. I really think the church needs a redeemed dance. I really do. I, I think the church, we need to learn. I, 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 you know, it was really difficult. I grew up in a church, you, you almost didn't show any emotion. No emotion. Any emotion was, was almost looked upon as if it's sinful. Mercy me. So, so no body language. Really happy, but you didn't move. <laughs> And again, I'm, I'm, I want to respect our traditions. But, but again, to rejoice. How do we do this? To redeem the dance, to redeem praise. That we can really, that we can joyfully together. Again, I'm not, I don't mean rolling around the floor. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> to redeem the dance. I mean, again, Paul is saying, do we realize what we have and what God has done for you, there'll be a hop in your skip. There'll just be joy overflowing out of you for what God has done for you. Amen, amen. So now this spirit, this God lives within us. Number three, what are the implications of this truth? God lives within us and in us. Confidence. We live by faith and not by sight. True? We, we, we serve a risen Savior. What, what, would, what would we, what, what can we accomplish for God? Better question, better question is, what would God want to accomplish through us? What would he want to accomplish through us? Is there a ministry that God has placed in your heart? Is, is there a, a mercy or justice issue that God has placed before you that you just cannot shake? Is there a people or people's group? Is there, a, is there a country that God has just placed in your heart that he would want you to go to? Is there a neighbor, a new neighbor that you need to meet and greet? Is, is there a spiritual gift that you've buried that needs to come up and be risen to acknowledge, yes, God, thank you for what you've given to me. Why? I sometimes ask, why? The church, myself included, why sometimes do we live in fear? 
Do we know who we are? God's possession, God lives within us. Plan A, that God works now through us to do his ministry. People like you and me, average people. Average people. And so I just think, again, why am I sometimes living in fear? The risen Lord lives within me. The risen Lord lives within us. What are the implications? Number four, patience. And I need, to, I need to add this one here. You know, when life is hard and difficult, when, when good things happen to bad people, when, when relationships go south, be it a, be it a, a, a children, be it a, be it a friend, be, be it a spouse, oh, mercy, it seems like at those times, all we can do is just to hold on in faith in Christ to the risen Lord, to the victorious one. That's all we can do. We, he reigns. He, he's victorious. Though the junk is happening, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on him at that moment. Nothing escapes his eye. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord, Romans 8. In the process, in the junk, in the hurt and the pain, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Because I know in the middle of that junk, I know he knows. He knows. And he holds the future. And I hold on to him. I hold on to him in those times. Because again, in Ephesians 1, he died, he rose, and he's reigning. And then number five, what are the implications? Well, prayer. Prayer. I I think bold and courageous prayer. I mean, it's it's the main thing. It's always interesting when when we preach on prayer. It seems like we should spend some time in prayer. But it's it's, it's prayer here. And so the main focus of, of these verses is prayer. And due to the risen Christ, due to the risen Christ and his presence in my life, I'll pray up a storm. He's victorious. He reigns. And so I'll pray up a storm. I'll give thanks to God for my brothers and sisters in Christ, warts and all. (laughs) But I'll thank the Lord for them. Because I know myself and my own warts and my own sins and brokenness. Who am I to look down at someone else? What God has done in my life, he's done in his life, her life. I can thank the Lord for what he's doing in their lives. I can can pray for spiritual understanding and growth. I can pray that God uses New City Church for his glory. I can pray for spiritual birth. I can pray for discipleship. I can pray that New City will plant new churches, and not just New City, but many, many churches. Amen. Amen. And not only that, I can pray for a forgiving spirit. I can pray for a kind spirit. I can pray for a generous spirit. I can pray for boldness to remove my cowardice. For fear is a liar. We heard that phrase in men's ministry and men's retreat a few weeks ago. Fear is a liar. Fear is toxic. Fear just freezes you right where you are. Fear is a liar. Knowing 
Ephesians 1, I can pray with boldness. God is on her side. No, no, we're on God's side. (laughs) Fear is a liar. So brothers and sisters in Christ, God's power and his presence lives within us. What are we living for? Who are we living for? What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? You know, I hinted at this earlier uh, about when I tug of war all my years in ministry when I have a message on prayer. (laughs) Do we as a congregation spend a little extra time in prayer? The topic is prayer. And so I thought I would do that this morning. I would do that this morning. And and what I would like to do here is that, um, that as we go into prayer, time of silence here, that, that you could look around here and you can begin to thank the Lord for the person around you, behind you, next to you. Say, Lord, thank you for this brother in Christ, sister in Christ. Thank you for this person, for what you're doing in their life. And then pray, too, along with that, too, asking God for spiritual growth. Lord, bless them, not just our children, that they grow up in the knowledge of yourself, but that we keep growing in God's knowledge of who he is. Lord, continue to work in so-and-so. Enlighten them. Help them in their spiritual growth, that they would know the, the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ even better. And then maybe even praying that you would grasp the power of God that lives in you. Maybe God is pressing something on your heart. Maybe God wants your attention to do a ministry. Or maybe it's as simple as walking down the street and greeting a new neighbor. But that God is putting something on your heart that he would want you to do. So let's just go into prayer. We'll pray for a few moments. Silence. I know silence is always a little bit strange and weird in the church. But we'll do a little bit of silence, a prayer, and then we'll begin to worship. Abba, Father, may we be a thank offering to you. May our lives be a thank offering to you due to everything you've done for us. Forgive us, Lord, if we have to be reminded to be thankful, that we have to be reminded to be kind or generous, speak truth and love. Forgive us when we forget who we are, your possession and that your presence is within us. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us. Oh, oh, fear's a liar. Dear Lord, I I just know that, that you have placed in the hearts of some of your people here a desire to serve you. Maybe they're not sure where or how doesn't mean that you're calling them to another part of the world. Maybe you are. For most of us, it's right here. But you're laying on them a, a ministry of some sort. Well, Father, for all of us, give us courage to follow through. 
to say yes, Lord. To say yes, Lord, because you reign and you're reigning. And it's your plan, plan A. Those that you redeem now are the very people you work through in the demonstration with your power. So, Lord, we want to lay all our plans before you, of course. We want them to be your plans. But we lay them before you. Oh, Father, forgive us when we forget to sing and dance what you've given to us. And as a church of Jesus Christ, Lord, that's our prayer, that we will be a church of grace, but that we will live in your power, in your might, in your presence. And that changes everything. It changes everything. And so, Lord, we, we close now, Lord. Use us, Father God. Use us. May we truly grasp and understand what you've given to us, triune God, and may you just use us for your honor and glory. Use us. Use us, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, the Lord is good. We we have the wonderful opportunity every Sunday to celebrate the Lord's Supper again. Helps us focus on why we're here. We're here because of what Jesus did for us. Because of that, we can be a thank offering for him. Uh, we, if you are a believer in Christ, you're more than welcome to come forward. We make two lines. Um, we have gluten-free bread in the center if that's what you would like and need. If you're not a believer in Christ, not yet, just like many of us at one time, we were not. You're still pondering and reflecting. I'd like to encourage you that God is for you, not against you. Like to like to say, you know, Pastor Ryan says this often, we'd like to encourage you to begin to doubt your doubts. This God is good. This God is great. This God reigns. This God is for you, not against you. If you're not a believer yet, we do ask that, that you remain seated. If, if the Lord God is touching your heart for the very first time and you want to make that commitment to him, you may come forward because what you're saying, you're saying, Lord, I'm committing my life to you. You broke your bread, shed your blood for me, a sinner. I believe that. I accept that. We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper this time.